Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. I want to speak to you this morning about this passage, then I'm entitled the message, Blessing by Deception. Blessing by Deception. Following your Bibles as I read. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his youngest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old, and I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out into the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son, and Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, make me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go thou to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her elder son Esau which with her in the house and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and felt him, and said, The voice is is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy, as as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat. And he brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, and kiss me, my son. And he came near, and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, and of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine, 
Let people serve thee and, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord that over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made the end of, the end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had savory meat and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac his father said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me? And I have eaten of all before, before thou camest. And have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, Bless me, bless me also, even me also, O my father. And he said, Thy brother came with subtlety, and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said unto Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, and all his brethren have I given to him for servants. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what shall I do now unto thee, my son? And Esau said unto his father, Hast thou but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. And by thy sword shalt thou live and shalt serve thy brother. And it shall come to pass when thou shalt have dominion that thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of the mourning for my father are at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. And these words of Esau, were her elder son, were told to Rebekah. And she sent and called Jacob her younger son and said unto him, Behold thy brother Esau, as touching thee, doth comfort himself, purposing to kill thee. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise. Flee thou to Laban, my brother, to Haran, and tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that thou hast what thou hast done to him. Then I will send and fetch thee from thence. Why should I be deprived also of, of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? Let's pray. Father, the reading of this account is sort of a lengthy account, but it tells a story that teaches us some lessons, and I pray that we would learn those lessons today. I pray that you'd help us to realize that sin always disappoints. It never brings good in. Give enablement, Lord, to bring the message and get honor for yourself, and may one who's here without Jesus, may they realize that that Jesus is the only answer to the sin problem. And may they trust him today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
The count before us today is one of intrigue, suspense, deceit, and disappointment. When the chapter ends, you feel like saying, what was, what was all the waste of time for? I mean, it's a waste of time to go through all this because the way it turned out was the way God said it would be almost 75 years before. Because in Genesis chapter 25, verse 23, it says, The elder shall serve the younger. The Lord said that. The elder shall serve the younger. Yes, after all the scheming and deceiving, this family found out that God will fulfill his will and purpose regardless of our opposition, and he does not need our help. When we believe him and trust him, we save ourselves a lot of problems. The family of Isaac had so much going for them. You think about it. Isaac, the guy that was the son of Abraham, and Abraham, his father, was the friend of God. Isaac, that man who loved the Lord and trusted the Lord so much that he let his, his father, Abraham, take him to that mount and was going to sacrifice him, and Isaac lay there willing to give himself because God told Abraham to do this. He was a man of faith at that time. He was a man who meditated in the field, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter uh, 24, verse 63. He was waiting for the servant to bring that unknown bride to him, and he was trusting the Lord, and we find him out meditating in the field, probably talking to the Lord, and then comes Rebekah. He was the man that loved Rebekah, and Rebekah loved him. Chapter 24, verses 58 and 67 tell us. And they were a praying couple. The Bible tells us that, that uh, Isaac prayed about the children, and then God granted children. And then when there was trouble in the womb, and, and Rebekah could sense there was something going on, there was a fighting in the womb of these twins, uh, she prayed and asked the Lord. She entreated the Lord and talked to the Lord about it. So they were a praying couple. In fact, they had a revelation from God. None of us have had that. They had a revelation from God concerning the twins that were going to be born. And God told them. Now, the one that's going to be born first is not going to be considered the firstborn for as far as all the rights go. But the elder, the firstborn, shall serve the younger. God told them that. So they had this revelation. When Rebekah gave birth to those sons, Isaac was 60 years old. He got married when he, was six, when he was 40, and it was 20 years later they finally had children. He was 60 years old. Yet with everything in their favor, trusting God, seeming to be a believing couple and a trusting couple, they made a grave mistake, and it's recorded in, the chapter, in, in chapter 25, verse 28. It says this, Isaac loved Esau because uh, he ate of his venison, and then Rebekah loved Jacob. There was favoritism in the home. The father loved one more than the other, and the mother loved one more than the other, and so there was division. Favoritism was that seed that grew up into a terrible weed that really destroyed their family garden. Favoritism. As we approach the study, we need to understand something about this. And that is, Jacob and Esau were not young men at this time. Isaac was at least 100 years old, and Jacob and Esau were at least 40 years old. Because 
Esau had already married, and he was 40 years old when he married, and he's, his wives are causing them trouble. And so at some time after that, Bible scholars taking these passages and other passages in the book of Genesis and uh, studying them all together, and I tried to do this, I couldn't piece it all together yet, but I read this on several places where Bible scholars think that this time Isaac was 135 or 137 years old, and Jacob and Esau quite possibly were 75 years old. So these aren't young men. These are, these are men who should have known, known better. In other words, uh, they were older men who should have been able to settle their problems by this time and accepted the revealed will of God, and that is Jacob was going to be the one with the firstborn rights. And they should have known that because God told them. But they're still acting in unbelief and they're leaning on their own understanding and they're devising their own schemes to make it turn out the way they want it to turn out. In other words, envy, jealousy, selfishness, and deception were tearing their good family apart. And they were not wise enough to see it. They were harming each other and dishonoring the God that they claimed to serve. Now, knowing all this, as we look at the story, let's notice exactly what happened in the story. We read it, and it's, it's, as you read this, it just flows. You know, you know what's going on. But let's go back over it for a few minutes this morning. First of all, Isaac favored Esau and planned to give him the blessing which God had told him that he was not supposed to have. Isaac was that, of that frame of mind, an older man, but he still was determined to have his own way. The blessing was the, the official pronouncement by the father uh, to the son that he was going to give this firstborn blessing to. It was connected with the birthright, which uh, Esau had sold for a mess of soup. It was connected with that. But this is sort of the final thing at the end of life. And when the father made this pronouncement, when he said this to the son, it was considered like a last will and testament. It didn't have to be written down. All it had to be is said. It was pronounced. And Isaac was going to do that. He waited all this time, but he's going to do that. It was like saying, I am going to do what I want to do regardless what God said. Isaac determined to give Esau that birthright, that blessing at the end of his life, that last will and testament, regardless of what God said. He was deliberately disobeying God. It's sad to say that about Isaac, one of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It was Isaac. It's sad to say that at this time in his life, this late in his life, he still determined to have his way and not God's way. He based his decision on something that uh, pleased his own flesh. It's sad, but the Bible says it this way. Chapter 25, verse 28. Because he did eat of his venison. He loved Esau because he ate of his venison. He loved Esau because Esau was a hunter. And he would go out and kill a deer and bring it home and fix it. And his dad liked it. And his dad was going to going to forfeit everything else. He was going to give up everything God said just for his desire to have something that pleased his, his, his own flesh, his own taste, his, and filled his own belly. We want to say, well, we would never do that. You know, 
Most of us would say that. I would never do something like that. And yet, God says, do not lie. God says, do not envy. God says, do not be jealous. God says, do not be unkind. God says, do not speak evil one of another. God says, forgive one another. Then we, knowing all of that, go out and disobey God and let the devil tear our family apart because we are envious, we're jealous, we speak bad one of another, and things like that. And there are many families that have experienced that, and their families are torn apart because they won't do what God tells them to do, and that is forgive, be kind one to another, and all of that. Just as bad as Isaac. Isaac was going against the will of God. He thought he was going to die. And even though he thought he was going to die and meet his maker, he's determined he's going to do this regardless. And yet, he wasn't going to die. If he was 135 or 137, if he was 135, he still had, uh, he still had 45 years to live. Because the Bible tells us that in, in chapter 35, verse 28, that Isaac died when he was 180 years old. So he lived a lot longer and, and so, but he was determined he was going to do this. Well, let's go to Esau. That's Isaac, and let's go to Esau. Esau was intent on getting the blessing, even though he probably knew that he wasn't supposed to get it. Now, I said that Isaac knew because God revealed this to, to his wife, Rebecca, and no doubt Rebecca told him that because, you know, they prayed about it, and she's having this trouble with the twins in her womb, and and she asked the Lord, and the Lord says, here's what's going to happen. There's two in your nations in your womb. They're struggling, and the elder is going to serve the younger. And, uh, and no doubt Rebecca told Isaac that, so Isaac probably knew it. And I imagine that after all these years, no doubt Esau knew it as well. But he quickly went, out, went to do what his father asked him to do so that he could get the blessing even though God said, he wasn't to have it. He quickly went to do what the father asked him to do. And that is, get your bow, get your quiver, go out, kill me a deer, make food for me, and then I will eat that and I'll be so satisfied that I enjoy it so much, and then I'll bless you because I'm going to die real soon. So he was going to bless him. And, and Esau was going right along with it, and he was going to do what Isaac told him to do. You know, it's sad to see a father and son working together against what God wants. That's a sad thing, and that's exactly what happened here. He had previously sold his birthright, and he knew probably when he sold that, I explained it earlier in, in, as we preached on this, that the birthright had with it the responsibility of the one receiving the birthright to take over the spiritual aspect of the family, be the spiritual leader of the family. Esau wasn't interested in that. He was a man of the world. He was a man of the, of the flesh. He was not interested in that. And so he, it wasn't anything. He just sold it. it was, what good is that going to do me, he said. But now it comes time for the blessing. And the blessing we know, he, he's already given that part up, but that doesn't concern him. But he knows that the blessing is going to include material things as well. It's going to include uh, him being, being able to be the, the Lord over the family. It's going to be, his brother's going to bow down to him. 
and going to be subservient to him. He knew that, and he was willing to get that blessing even though God said not to do it. And so Esau is just like his dad. He's going against what he knows God wants. And then we come to Rebekah. Rebekah schemed to get for her favorite son what she thought he was supposed to have. In fact, she knew he was supposed to have it. God said it. And so she was scheming to get exactly that. And that is, I've got to get that for him because it looks like Isaac and Esau are going to thwart this plan. She's going to help God out, and she's going to do it. So she starts scheming. She never trusted God's promises. What did God say? God said the elder shall serve the younger. Not maybe. Didn't say the elder will serve the younger if you, Rebecca, will help it happen. He said the elder shall serve the younger. And so she didn't trust what God said. She's got to help him out. She also relied on her own scheming. And scheme she did. She did some things like she made goat taste like venison. I don't know if any of you can do that. (laughs) But she had evidently done it before. And she knew how to do this. She was a good cook. And she could take goat and make it taste just like venison. And so she did that. She made Jacob feel and smell like Esau. That was a part of her scheme. She's going to make Jacob feel like Esau, smell like Esau, and she planned to deceive her husband, deceive her husband through senses, the sense of feeling, the sense of smell, the sense of taste, and probably even the sense of hearing. You see, I imagine, I don't, doesn't say this, but I, with all these other things she's doing, she's probably saying, now, now Jacob, when you, when you go to talk to Isaac, your dad, you got to lower your voice a little bit. You know, you've got to sound like, more like uh, Esau. And no doubt Esau had a lower voice. He was a man of the field and all that. And probably she did some coaching about that as well. We don't know that for sure. But Isaac could not see, so she didn't have to worry about this. The Bible says he was blind. He couldn't see. So she didn't have to worry about the, the sight, but she was concerned about the other senses. She took advantage of her husband's weaknesses. Her husband's weaknesses were, first of all, he couldn't see. She took advantage of that. And secondly, he loved venison. He loved venison so much that he was willing to get that as his last meal, so to speak, in in concert with disobeying God. He loved venison. And so she used his weaknesses to get to him. Uh, I'm sure she's not the last lady that's used the weakness of her husband to get what she wanted. And it's not right, but that's what she did. When she overheard Isaac's plan, she should have taken Jacob, and she should have gone and said, Jacob, we need to go talk to your dad. As a godly woman, she should have said, Jacob, you know, I know, Isaac knows, Esau knows what God said. And we need to go talk to your dad. I know he's getting up in years. We need to try to reason with him so he doesn't do this. He's going to harm himself. He's going to harm his family. If he goes against God, it's, and maybe they could have talked some sense into him. That's what she should have done, but she didn't. Instead, she schemed and tried to figure out a way 
that she could make it happen. Then we come to Jacob. Jacob reluctantly went along with his mother's plan. He said, Mom, when I, if I go to my dad, I, he's going to feel me, and I don't feel like Esau. Uh, he's going to smell. I, I don't smell like Esau. I mean, we're so different, and he's going to know. And I'll try that voice thing, but it's probably not going to work. You know, he's going he's gonna to pick up on it. And instead of blessing me, he'll curse me. And she said, son, let's not worry about the curse. I'll take the curse on myself. Just do what I ask you to do. Remember, he's probably about 75 years old. So he's up in years. He knew he was wrong to deceive his father. It was dishonoring for him to deceive his father. The father that he was willing to say, all right, Dad, if God told you to do this, I'll, I'll go along with it, and you can sacrifice me. He was a godly man at that time. He had deteriorated over the, over the years, and now he's willing to deceive his father. He knew it was wrong to impersonate his brother. He knew that was wrong, but he was more interested in what would happen rather than what was right. As one commentator say, said, he asked what is safe, not what is right. And we all have made those mistakes, you know. Determine what's safe and what's right. And so Jacob is determining, well, how is it going to work for me? You see, he didn't really seem to be too concerned about the spiritual thing. He was concerned about his own flesh because he was willing to do this. He just didn't want to get caught. And so he lied. He lied. Lies are a terrible thing. Lies have a, have a way of producing lies. You lie about one thing, and what do you do to make sure people believe that? You lie about something else. And I looked through these lies he told. He told at least seven lies. Now, seven's the number of perfection. There is no such thing as a perfect lie, but it just keeps on going. But here are his lies. First of all, he lied about who he was. Verse 19, he says, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Absolute lie. He was Jacob. Then he lied about what he had done. He said this in verse 19, I have done according as thou badest me. His, his dad didn't ask him to do anything. He asked Esau to do something. And he asked Esau to go hunt for, for deer and uh, to kill that deer and bring it back to him. And he said, I have done what you told me to do. He didn't do that. In fact, he wasn't, he wasn't Esau for one thing. But what he did was he just went to the, out to the barn and, and got two goats and killed them. So he lied about that. He lied about the meat. He said this in verse 19, eat of my venison. It wasn't venison, it was goat. So he's lying about that. He's, he also lied, he says, about how he had gotten the game so quickly. His father said, well, how have you done it so quickly? And he said this, the Lord thy God brought it to me. Boy, that is really a bad lie, isn't it? When you include God in your lie, when you use God to try to deceive somebody. And he says, the way it happened so quickly, I went, out, I went out hunting and the Lord brought it to me. Now, believe me, I've tried that. I don't know if you have or not. I've been deer hunting. I, was, I done, hunted deer in West Virginia for, I think, about 22 years, every, every year. I'm not the greatest hunter. I killed five bucks in my life. <laughs> That's all. Those were all in West Virginia. 
But many times I've been out there on the deer stand and I prayed. <laughs> and I prayed, I prayed Lord, Lord, bring a deer about this way. I don't, maybe it worked sometime. Maybe those five I killed with the answer to that. But many times God didn't see fit to do that. It wasn't his will. But old Jacob, he didn't pray that, but he told, told uh, uh, Isaac that he did. And he said, the Lord brought it to me. The Lord brought it to me. So he lied about that. He lied about his hands, and uh, he had smooth hands, and uh, Esau had hairy hands. They must have been really hairy, because his mother took the the skins of the goats that she had killed, that he'd killed, and she some way put those, I got to thinking about this, you know, uh, Esau came back shortly after all this that Jacob did was over he had to go out in the field and kill it, find one, kill it, and then bring it back and dress it. Uh, why was it so quick? Uh, why did, it, why did uh, Jacob just get out of there before Esau came? Well, in addition to killing the, the, uh, the goats and Rebekah fixing the goat meat, they had to also fix those goat skins and then place them on their hand, his hands and on his back, and that took some time as well. She had to clothe him with the garments and make sure those were just right. And so all this took place, and so really it took him longer to get the, the, the deer, but all the other things they did uh, just filled in that extra time. So he lied about his hands. He also lied about who he was again the second time because he says, Art thou Esau? And Jacob said, I am. He lied again. Then he lied about his clothes because he put clothes on and uh, he put those on to deceive his father so his father would, would smell the smell of the outdoors because Esau was an outdoorsman. And so he put Esau's clothes on and he pretended those were his clothes and he was Esau so he lied about the clothes. And all of these lies he sealed with a kiss. And Isaac said, come here, my son, and kiss me. Now, what does a kiss imply? A kiss implies affection, love. I love you, Dad. And so he sealed all these lies with a kiss. And so if you take away the lie he told twice about who he was and just count that as one, you still have seven because he lied with the kiss. He said it's a kiss of affection, but it was a kiss of deception. And so he lied. One lie led to another, and it kept on doing that. So that's Jacob. Now, we have to ask the question, after looking at Isaac and Esau and Rebekah and Jacob, how did it all turn out? How did it all turn out? How did this story turn out? Well, I have came up with four things, and each of these start with an S, uh, and that is Isaac was shaken. Isaac was shaken. The Bible says he trembled very exceedingly. Hebrew scholars tell us that those words there in the Hebrew text says it can be translated this like this. He trembled most excessively with great trembling. In other words, it's, it's words used to, to describe how bad he trembled. I mean, it shook him. He was shaken because of the realization that God's will 
was done even though he'd been fighting it all these years. God's will was fulfilled and accomplished, and then he found himself in the end fighting against God, and that shook him. God won, and I was fighting against him. He was also shaken by the fact that his desires were a stumbling block to his whole family. Stumbling block to him and his family. His desires just for savory meat. His desires for his son that he loved more than Jacob to be blessed, even though God said that wasn't the way it was to be. He was shaken by the fact that his desires had been a stumbling block to his son's. He was shaken by the fact that he brought great hurt to the son that he loved. Esau was the son he loved more than the other. And yet he hurt Esau in what he did. And Esau was there before him crying and everything. You see, you never help anybody by making them think they can succeed by fighting against God. And that's what he made Esau think. He made Esau think that he could succeed he could get that blessing anyway, and he, they would fight against God together, but they would make it happen. And really, he hurt his son, so he was shaken. Esau was saddened. Isaac was shaken, and Esau was saddened. He was saddened to find out that his rebellion had failed, that it didn't work. His father had led him to believe that through through his preferential treatment that selling his birthright and marrying heathen wives wouldn't really disqualify him. It was okay. I know you made some mistakes, but you're all right. You're still going to get what I want you to have, and that is the birthright, regardless what God says. He was saddened that it didn't turn out that way. He was saddened that the only blessing left him was a blessing that put him in subservient to his brother. And he, remember, he cried, we read it a while ago. He cried, isn't there another blessing? Do you only have one blessing, Father? And he was crying exceedingly. And Isaac said, well, I'll give you this blessing. And it says in verse uh, 39, Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, thy dwelling shall be the, the fatness of the earth. Hebrew scholars tell us that the word there is probably can be translated, thy dwelling shall be away from the fatness of the earth. And that's exactly where the Edomites were, away from the land of Canaan, away in more desolate area. Away. And he says, and the dew of heaven from above, and by thy sword shalt thou live, and then thou shalt serve thy brother. That was the blessing he got. You're going to serve your brother. But then just for a little bit of satisfaction, it says, and it shall come to pass when thou shalt have dominion, thou shalt have the dominion that thou shalt break, thy, break his yoke from off thy neck. We don't have time this morning, but if you look in, in uh, first, Second Samuel chapter 8, verse 14, you find that the Edomites, were, which were descended from Esau, were all subservient to David. But then if you look in 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 20, you find that finally they break that subservience, they break that yoke, and they, are, they are, have their own king, and so they're free. But eventually the Edomites just disappeared from history. And so Esau is saddened. And then I think also Esau is saddened by something else. 
and that he's, sad, he's saddened by the hatred that developed in his whole soul. You know, hatred never brings joy. Hatred always takes joy. And so he is a saddened man. And then Rebecca, what about her? Well, Rebecca was scheming, still scheming. <laughs> she didn't stop. She started the scheming, and then after all this happened, she still is scheming. She faced the prospect of the loss of both of her sons. Verse 45, she says, what, why should I also be deprived also of both of you in one day? Now, what should she be talking about there? Well, in those days, if you killed somebody, then there was the avenger of the blood that could kill you. And she knew that if Esau killed Jacob, then the avenger of his blood would kill Esau, and she would lose both sons in one day. And it, it wasn't turning out right for her. Her scheming hadn't worked, but she's going to still scheme. She's still going to scheme and try to figure out a way she can work this out. So she continued her scheming. She told Jacob what to do. She said, Arise, go to Laban, my brother, tarry there a few days. She didn't send him away like she's going to say. She didn't send him away to get a wife. She sent him away to protect him from his brother. And so she deceived Isaac into thinking this plan was to not marry a daughter of Heth, but someone of the land. But it wasn't that. It was to protect his life. And then her scheme also didn't work because she planned for him to be away a few days. And you know what? She never again saw her son, Jacob. Never again saw him. Because she died before he came back. And so she didn't see him again. You see, all of her scheming was to no avail. So Isaac was shaken. Esau was saddened. Rebecca was scheming, and then Jacob was scared. What was he scared? What was he scared of? Was he afraid of his father, whom he deceived? I mean, he's going to have to face him. He's going to have to face him with what's, what's happened. He's afraid of his brother who wanted to kill him, and probably by this time, maybe he's even afraid of God. Because you remember, he said this, the Lord thy God brought it to me. He included God in his lies, and, no, and now it's all crumbling down around him, and he knows that he's going to have to face God with it, and so he's afraid. You see, I want us to draw some lessons this morning from this whole passage as we close. And here are some of the lessons I'd like to draw. First of all, God's word is true, and he will accomplish his will. God's word is true, he will accomplish his will. And uh, we as Christians need to accept that. The Lord is true. And when we face a trial, when we face a test that makes us want to do the wrong thing, we have to believe God when God says, I will take care of you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll provide all your needs. I'll work all things together for good. I will always be there, and it will turn out okay. We're going to be in heaven together someday. <laughs> we have to believe that. We have to trust God and his word. Also, another lesson is this. God, God does need, not need our help. I find myself doing it, but I always try to correct myself. When we, try, when we say something like this, what God's trying to do, God doesn't try to do anything. God doesn't. <laughs> and God do, doesn't need our help. 
and he doesn't need you to scheme to try to come out, make it come out the way you want it to or to make it come out the way God wants it to. God wants you to trust him. But God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need anything. But God demands our obedience. He demands our obedience. And so he doesn't need our help, but he demands and requires our obedience. Another lesson is this. Disobedience to God always brings disappointment. Never any other way. Disobedience to God always brings disappointment. Now, at first it might bring satisfaction, but on the end it will bring disappointment. Another lesson is this. Following your senses instead of God's word will never bring full satisfaction. What does Isaac do? He followed his sense of smell, his sense of taste, his sense of feeling. He's followed all those instead of what God said. And following your senses instead of God's word will never bring full satisfaction. Another lesson is this. Deception ends up deceiving the deceiver. Sir Walter Scott said this, and it's a famous quote. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And how true that is. This whole story is a story of deception. Deception, though, ends up deceiving the deceiver. And Jacob and his mom were the deceivers, and their deception came back upon them. She thought she was going to save this blessing for her son, and she's brought to the realization she might lose both of her sons in one day. And then there's another lesson. This lesson comes from the scriptural account of the two and a half tribes of, of, of Israel. Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh. You remember when they settled on the east bank and uh, Og and Sihon and Og, the territory they had gained for them? They asked if they could have it because it was a rich pasture land. And Moses said okay, and God said okay. But God said this. Now, all of you men of war from Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, you are to leave your family and the young men in that land and you're to go over with your brothers over the Jordan River to the land of Canaan that I've given, and you're to help them conquer. And then he said this, and if you do that, after they're conquered, then you can go back. But he said, and if you don't, be sure your sin will find you out. Be sure your sin will find you out. And that's true. You might get by with sin for a while, but be sure your sin will find you out how clear that is in this passage. And then there's another lesson that we of us, those of us who are a little older, this is a good lesson. And that is, there's no fool like an old fool. (laughs) There's no fool like an old fool. Was Isaac old? Yes. 137 probably. He lived to be 180, but he was an old man. He thought he was going to die. But there's no fool like an old fool. And we don't ever want to think that we can never fall. We've been such great people, you know. Oh, yes, you can. And the devil would love to destroy you. He'd love to destroy me. I'm 76, and the devil would love to bring me down into sin and just destroy everything. He would like to, uh, for my family to be ashamed of me. He would love to do that. And he'd love to do that to you. There's no fool like an old fool. Don't let your guard down. And don't deal with deception. Don't deal with lies. Be truthful 
Obey God, trust God, believe God, because there's no fool like an old fool. And then I'd like to close by saying, all of this passage tells us about sin. It's, there's sin going on in the whole thing. And it's mostly involved with lies and deception. Sin's a problem. But everybody here has that problem. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And as sin brought destruction to this family, so to bring to us individually, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And if we got what we deserve, we'd go to hell. And every one of you, regardless how old or young or how good or bad or whatever, if you got what you deserve, you'd go to hell. But the Bible says Jesus came from heaven to die for our sins. And the Son of God took the sin of the world upon himself on the cross of Calvary, and he died for us. He paid the price for our sins so that we wouldn't have to pay it. He took the wrath of God that we deserve so we wouldn't have to take it. And the Bible says he died and he was buried. They put him in the tomb. And three days later, he arose from the grave. And that resurrection is an absolute essential part of the gospel. He is alive. He rose from the grave. And because he's alive, it's proof that it's all paid for. But then he says, now you must respond to that. I must respond to that. And I have. I did. When I was 22 years old, I responded. And I trusted Jesus as my Savior. You must come to the place when you say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I realize that. And I realize the seriousness of it. But I believe that Jesus died for all my sins. And I I believe that he paid for all of it. And he took God's punishment that he he wants me to have. He took that upon himself. And uh, he paid for it. So it's all paid. And I trust what he did. And we turn to Jesus and call upon him to be our Savior. We put our faith in him. And when we do that, when we believe that he died for us, he was buried, he rose again the third day, and we put our faith in that, our trust in that, then the Bible says we're saved. Now the question is, have you done that? Have you trusted the Lord? Because as all these people had a sin problem, so we have a sin problem. And the remedy is Jesus. I hope that you've trusted the Lord. If you haven't, I hope that you will today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for reminding us of this sad story, a family that had so much potential is brought to a sad state because of sin. I pray, Lord, that you might help us all to realize that we all have great potential because of Jesus. But if we don't trust him as our Savior, we'll be brought to a very sad state, and that is we'll go out into eternity lost. Lord, help us to realize as Christians that we need to every day reject sin, reject even the thought of doing something wrong and disobeying you because it never turns out right. Help us to learn these lessons from this passage, we pray in Jesus' name.